Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, everybody. What a beautiful day. I am in the palatial studios here at The Fan for the first time. I broadcasted from the ESPN studios, but I've been broadcasting remote. I am actually in the fan studios for the first time since March of uh, well, March of 2020 when COVID started, and uh, it's kind of it's it's kind of weird and familiar at the same time. But it's uh, good to be down here. What a beautiful day! We are headed for some incredible weather. We came through one of the longest cold streaks for how cold it was actually in Denver's history. Uh, we get cold weather, obviously. Here we get snow, but to have that continuously, that cold is very unusual. We had started talking a lot of open water fishing here in the Front Range. This cold came in. Of course, there's a lot of ice fishing up in the mountains. We're going to cover some ice fishing today. We're going to cover some fly fishing. We're going to cover some activities that are going on. We have just a lot to talk about, but... The ice fishing probably firmed up here in the front range. I haven't been out checked in a couple days. But this time of the year, the sun is extremely powerful. It's high in the sky. We've got a lot of solar energy. So we need to be extremely careful. We're going to talk about ice fishing opportunities both in the mountains and on the front range. But anytime you go out this time of the year, please, please be extremely careful. Now let's go to the phones. And joining us from Fishing with Bernie up in the Grand Lake, Granby area is Dan Shannon. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Terry. It's, uh, what's the weather like up there? You guys got some cold weather, too. Uh, it, was, it was about 10 below this morning when I, uh, when I stepped outside, so I turned right back inside. Um, it's supposed to be... Now, you, you get cold weather up there, and you'll get ice. Well, I've seen the ice last well into April up there, or well into May almost. But typically well into April, you'll get some ice fishing opportunity up there. Is that right? Yeah, definitely in April. Um, on most years, the cold temps we've had, I would not be surprised if you mid, mid-April still. So a couple things I want to ask you first. Number one is... Snowpack and water levels. Do you have a feeling, first of all, how full is Lake Granby? Now, Grand Lake doesn't vary, but some of the other lakes up there, are are their water levels pretty good? And do you seem to have adequate snow? And we won't know till April when the snow and the rains are done or, you know, kind of start filling. But what do you, what do you, what's your gut feeling? So I, I we're going to be, I think we're going to be low this year. Um, the, the level right now. Dan, you're, you're cutting out on me a little bit, so maybe, I don't know if you're moving around, if we can make this work, but let's give it a try. So you said... You th- Let me sit down. I'm facing. <laughs> you said you think it's going to be low this year. Is that right? I do. I think it's going to be low. We started low, and it's been nothing but just it's creeping lower lower as we go farther and farther into the season. And we're not seeing quite the same uh, snowpack. We we did get a little bit of snow last week, and snow is happening up high, but we're just, it doesn't seem to be getting the, the snowpack that we're going to need to fill the lake up again. Yeah, well and, well, and like I said, we won't know until April, but 
Granby especially is still a very large deep lake, so you're going to have adequate ramp access and good fishing. And we'll, we'll address that more as we get closer to spring. Just wanted to get a feel. Let's talk about current conditions. First of all, what is the ice like? Let's start with Gra- Granby, and we'll take some of the others in a minute. Okay, Granby, the ice is good. Um, the travel's been good. We've only had limited amounts of snow, so the flush is staying away for the most part. Um, so overall, ice conditions are good for travel, which means that uh, allows you to be mobile to, to chase the fish, especially in February when the bite's been a little bit tougher than, than you see early and late. You know, that's a great point because you start off early ice is always great because the fish haven't been harassed. The water's highly oxygenated uh, and... They're very active, especially lake trout, which are a very cold water species, but all trout. Then as you progress, there gets to be pressure on them. You have some tournaments. You get a little decline in oxygen in Granby, but it's not terrible because it's such a deep, clear lake. But then, but the fish, just their metabolism seems to settle in. But then when the sun starts penetrating the ice, when a little bit of melt comes through, start getting later in the year, it picks up. So it does get a little slower right now, but if you work at it, I bet you're still getting plenty of fish. Oh, definitely. Uh, February has definitely been more of a finesse month, um, downsizing baits and, and working hard to get bites, but we're, we're, still, we're still getting them. Um, and the bite overall has been pretty consistent as for a February bite as it is most years. You know, we, February is a pretty unstable weather month too, so that kind of has a little bit to play. Um, but overall, the bite has just kind of stayed fair. We're really down, downsizing has kind of been the key and staying mobile and not having the slush everywhere really lets us hit all of the lake. There's very little that has slush and, and, and any, any bad conditions as far as ice. So we're, we're working all over, all over Lake Grammy to get our bites right now. Okay. Now are you, you're, let's, I want to get back to the trout too, that I was mentioning earlier, but let's just talk about the Mackinac, the lake trout. Are you chasing mostly numbers fish, keeper eater type fish, or are you hunting some big fish or a combination? We've kind of been doing a combination. Usually we'll get out after the big fish for the morning. Um, tends to be right now, tends to be pretty much a morning bite for those bigger fish. And then from there, we'll jump off into the numbers. Um, and we've been having to, for, for our numbers bite, it's, it, it's been pretty consistent. We have to hit two or three spots before we find a, a group of fish that's willing to, to, to bite, bite readily. Um, there is a lot of lookers out there and I hear, hear a lot of people saying that, that they are finding fish, but getting them to bite has been, uh, been a little bit tricky. What's the difference in your approach technique and bait wise when you're after, when you're over the bigger fish compared to the smaller or the, you know, when we talk smaller and eater size fish, we're talking 15 to 22 inch fish. Yeah, for most people, those are pretty nice fish, but how do you change your approach? So with the, with the bigger fish, what we do is we're, we're upsizing our bait. So where for, if I'm just trying to catch a, a numbers fish, like we call them, I'm looking at the, about three inch baits, nothing really any bigger than three. Um, whether it's just a small plastic grub or it's a, a small tube. Um, I'm, I'm working it right on the bottom, tipped with a little piece of sucker meat. I might even change up to a small tungsten, uh, tipped with a small silky or, um, the small wax or anything, any small, anything that kind of, kind of screams mice. So I'm looking at numbers. When I'm looking for bigger fish, I'm thinking more, I need to give them a meal. Those fish aren't going to put a lot of energy into eating, uh, 50,000 little mice shrimp, but they will put some energy into eating one, one little baby sucker swimming around on the bottom or a rainbow trout swimming around in the lake. So I upsize my baits and kind of, kind of match the profile of to what I think that they're eating. Now, 
you made a comment there about maybe they're looking for a rainbow trout or a sucker. You know, there's a lot of times during the year when the lake trout can't exist even in the water the rainbow trout and the browns are in because uh, lake trout can't exist in water for any period of time over about 55 degrees. But during this time of the year, they can actually be anywhere. So do you find that the big fish are consistently deep or do sometimes you find them a lot shallower than people would think? You know, right now, the, the great thing about ice fishing is you find them all over. We'll catch big fish as deep as 80, 90 feet, and then we'll step up and we'll catch them in 10 and 15 feet. So truly, you fish the entire lake when you're looking for those big fish right now. You know, that I, wa- I was hoping you'd say that my biggest lake trout out of Granby came in nine feet of water when the water was ice cold like that. It was right at ice out, but... Once that water gets cold, they're predators. They'll go anywhere. And people get so hung up, they think they have to be 150, 200 feet deep. And, you know, even in the open water when it's cold, you know, a lot of times don't have to fish that deep. What about some of the other lakes in your area, Williams Fork, Grand Lake? What do you see in there? Uh, Grand Lake's been actually pretty decent. Um, it, the, the travel out there stayed good. Grand Lake, it's a lot of, lot of snow and slush. So we haven't seen a lot of that because we haven't had a lot of at the elevation of the lake. So, um, Grand Lake, uh, did just get a bunch of, it did have a big tournament on it last weekend. Um, but after it recovers from that, you know, we've been seeing a really good rainbow and brown trout bite up in 15 feet and shallower, um, typically all around the lake right now. The lake trout, you're kind of looking at about 60 feet. And that's, that's more numbers, right? We don't. And I think you just cut on him. I got most of that, but you cut on me for a minute. What about the rainbows and the browns in Granby? We didn't touch on them. Or is that bite pretty good? That bite will pick up. It's been kind of slow right now just because of the time of year. But I think as, as the, we start getting some runoff in, in Granby, that bite will pick up for sure in the inlet, inlet areas. What about Williams Fork? Lake, lake trout, pike, trout, what do you see in there? Well, remember that the Bandman stock and and rainbows in there for the last several years. So those numbers are way down. But the lake trout, um, as far as numbers, has been been fair. There is a tournament out there today. Um, the Warrior Scramble is going on today. So we'll see what, what happens with the lake in the next couple of days. But uh, the bite for the big fish, no, just just like any lake trout. I'm, I'm Lost you a little bit again there, Dan, but I want, I want to finish this up. What about the pike? Okay. What about the pike? Well, the, the pike, we're really looking forward to spring. We haven't been seeing many of them, but that's typically a spring bite for us through the ice. You know, get that, close to ice out. I think that's true of most people that late ice and first ice are the best pike fishing in, in Colorado in the colder months. Uh, so when, when, do you, when do you start seeing that? And do you have some guides that specialize in those pike? Um, I do. We do have... Uh, Rhett is pretty good at, at that, and he'll get out there and chase after him, and Sam as well. Um, we start looking at that probably mid-March and on um, until the ice goes away. And then do you guide for him in the open water too? Yep, as soon as, the, as soon as we can start launching boats again, hopefully the water comes up and we can uh, launch boats early this year, and uh, we'll get out after him. Definitely, definitely into June when they start towards their spawn, that's another good time. All right, any other lakes up there you want to fill us in on? I mean, Willow Creek or uh, any of the others? Well, I would say don't forget about Wolford. Wolford's a great little fishery. There's a good number of browns, uh, high numbers of, of pike in there, actually, that they're wanting to get out. So um, I hear those pike, the catchables are about 24 inches or so right now, that there's a good population of those. Um, and the kokanee fishing out there has been excellent all winter long. 
Yeah, don't forget about those. And are, are the kokanee through the ice, they're doing pretty well? You don't see many kokanee in Granby anymore either, do you? No, not much. Um, the the kokanee population in there, they still stock them, but they just just don't seem to be, be thriving in there the way that uh, they do in other lakes. All right. So, so Dan, if people want to get a hold of you guys, if they just want information, want to book a trip, or how do they find? Do you have reports you post? Is there ways to get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook, Fishing with Bernie, um, as well as fishingwithbernie.com. All our contact info is there for our whole guide team. And we do still have a few openings, so give us a call, and we'd love to get you out on the ice and or start thinking about that uh, that, that ice off bite as well. Oh, that ice off bite. You know, I... I used to think that, oh, I only fished Granby, I'll tell you right now. I fished it, I ice fished it, I fished it ice off, and I fished it fall. I, I had to convince myself years ago that I could fish it in the middle of summer. And if you approach it, you really can have success there year-round, can't you? Absolutely. You know, lake trout are, are migratory. They kind of do the same things at the same times or water temp of the year. And once you put together that pattern, it, they're pretty catchable all year-round. And that's a big key is to stay on the lake is to get people like you guys who are on the water, know what's going on. I think I'm going to have to coerce you into taking me out in your boat. And you and I have never fished together. Let's make that happen. Let's do it. That'd be great. I would be. It'd be awesome. It'd be a good trip. Only we can't take Karen with because she'll outfish me. <laughs> uh, well, 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 we'll do what we can to make sure you get to fish. All right. Thanks, Dan. That's Dan Shannon from Fishing with Bernie. Thanks for joining us, Dan. It's just a, All right, take, you bet. Take care. Tremendous guys. You know that Bernie started that a long time ago. Bernie's moved on to Florida. He's a warm water guy now, but uh, just tremendous people. Every time I interact with them, I'm so pleased that that tradition of fishing that lake and understanding it continues. And folks, you, I'll tell you what, you can catch numbers of fish, whether they're rainbows, browns, lake trout, and even the numbers lake trout we talk about are fish from, uh, like I said, 14, 15, up to 22 inches. You can take a, you can take four of those 17, 18 inches home, and they're great pan fare. Put, let the bigger ones go. But Karen and I have actually had two 20-pound lake trout in the net at the same time up there on a day where we book we we boated four four fish over twenty pounds. So at, at any time you can get the fish of a lifetime too. We're gonna take a quick time out and then we're gonna take you all the way across the state to another state park and talk about what's going on there on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear. <music> Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. I want to do a little uh, announcement here. You know, ISE, the International Sportsman's Exposition, uh, normally airs in January. Well, that show is going to air in March. In fact, the 24th through the 27th this year at the Denver Convention Center. Karen and I will be down there. We don't have a tank this year, but we're going to have a stage. We're going to have it all set up with speakers. And Sunday as we've done the last several years, is going to be kind of aimed at our family day with uh, families, kids, women in the outdoors. We're going to gear our fishing seminars towards beginning anglers, youth anglers, and and female anglers. And I want to tell Eagle Claw, right McGill, right off of Colorado Boulevard and I-70, our hometown tackle company, has donated 
50 rods and reels. So we're going to find a way to give to 50 kids on the Sunday of ISE to get them started fishing. So stay tuned and figure out how you're going to be able to do that. But I want to say so much thanks to Eagle Claw. Next time you walk in to buy some fishing tackle, remember what they do for the community. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from uh, Highline Park, way across the state, is Howard. Good morning, Howard. Good morning, Terry. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, no problem. First of all, why don't you tell people where Highline is located? So Highline is about 30 minutes west of Grand Junction, about 12 miles from the Utah border. And so we're situated in a really great spot because we're not too close to the city, but we're not actually too far from it. So we can get people for just day use or just camping. So it's just a great opportunity for everyone. It really is. And uh, people don't understand, you're actually a pretty warm part of the state too, aren't you? We are. Most of the year, we're pretty warm, especially during the summer. And then even during the winter, we stay ice-free for a good portion of it. In fact, I think you told me we talked earlier, the lake is ice-free right now. Is that right? It is. It's been ice-free for about a week or so. Yeah, and you do have great ice fishing there, and we'll get to the types of fishing. But right now, the water level is down, and we're going to talk about what that gives people access to shore. And you have great species that aren't necessarily available in the quality and abundance they are in other places in the state. Before I get to that, though, there's other reasons to come to Highline. You mentioned the camping. Is that year-round? Yep, so we offer camping year-round. And then we also, like you said, offer great fishing. We have nine miles of trails. And then we also have two lakes and then great bird watching all year round. What, any particular species of bird you see that might get people excited or just an abundance? So we have an abundance and then we get a lot of waterfowl. So we're actually designated by the Audubon Society as an important resting area for waterfowl. All right. Now, a couple of things are going on at your lake right now that we want to talk about before we get to the fishing right now. One is your boat ramps probably won't open until into April, and that's because you had to draw the lake down to do some repair. Is that right? That's correct. So we have a fish escapement barrier net by our spillway to keep our warm water species from getting out into the Colorado River. And so we need to repair that. In order to do that, it has to be dry. So we had to draw the lake level down about 20 feet or so. And due to that, our boat ramp is actually inaccessible at this time. So once the Highland Canal starts flowing again in early April, then we should be open to trailer launching. All right. So trailer launching in early April and and uh, access. And you have we're going to talk about some new regulations or some new opportunities because you're putting in place some new opportunities type regulations once you do open for boating. But let's talk right now about the what access you do have, first of all. It didn't draw down so far that it should have damaged the fishery, but it did expose a lot of shoreline, a lot of shore fishing opportunities there right now, aren't there? Exactly. So most of all of our shoreline is accessible right now. And yeah, we didn't hurt the fishery, but now there's a lot more shoreline access. So you can actually walk down to the water and spread out. So it'll greatly increase your opportunity to get to those different fishing holes. And you have some great fish. You have some tremendous largemouth bass there, don't you? We do. We see great amounts of largemouth bass coming out every year and then even some big fish and then we also have all different species crappie rainbow trout and then great catfishing as well i would think the rainbow trout from shore right now would be starting to take off because those fish um you probably were stocked earlier in the year 
those fish are kind of looking to false spawn along the shoreline, and there'll be a lot of stalkers, but you probably get some holdover fish, and that would probably be the one of the first things for this early spring shore fishing, I would think. Yeah, every year we see a couple, three, four-pound trout get pulled out, so we definitely have those holdovers still swimming around. And then the bass, we're going to go into pre-spawn pretty soon. So even though you're not open for boating, a lot of times in the spring, shore fishermen almost have an advantage over boat fishermen because you can pick apart an area and really concentrate and make subtle presentations to those fish. So it can really, really work out. And, of course, the catfish are always good from shore and crappies. You have a lot of crappies. Crappies are such a popular fish and used to be you guys had tons of small crappies. Are you starting to see the average size get bigger now? We are. Like you said, for years we had just fish staying in the three to five, six inch range. Now we're seeing some more seven, eight inch fish. And then we do have a couple of fish more towards nine, ten inches coming up, but those are a little rare. Yeah, all those opportunities are going to be there soon. And then you're going to open for boating in April as soon as it fills up. And you allow all types of boating at Highline. Is that right? We do, yep. All types of trailer launch, um, power boats, hand launch vessel sailboats, all of that. And But because you get, you're getting more use by people like in kayaks and canoes, small craft, float tubes, even paddle boards, you decided to take one day a week and designate it, not where the people can't put their boats, big boats on, but where you could keep the water a little calmed down. And that's going to what you're going to call Wakeless Wednesday. Is that right? Correct. So tell me exactly how that's going to work. So it all started off with the public brought up the idea to us. They said, hey, you know, we see all this use and we want to be able to use it equally just with the power boater. So the idea got started of creating one day a week where everyone can come use the lake, but they can't operate a power boat at above a weightless speed. And so that way it'll give opportunities for, like you said, paddle boarders, sailboats, and then kayakers to use the lake and not have to worry about being rocked all around the entire day. And so what we're really judging that by is just the term of wake. And so really all it is is just a movement of the water created by a boat when it's underway that's great enough to disturb a boat at rest. So we're just not going to have boats going at high speeds all day. All right. Should open a lot of opportunity. Speaking of opportunity, one more thing before I let you go, and that's the fact that even though your boat ramp's not going to open until late into, to, well, sometime in April this year when the water comes back, are you still allowing, like, kayaks and canoes out there right now? We are. So anything that's going to be hand-launched, we will allow it to be on the lake. And, you know, that that could be an opportunity to go out and get some of those big bass that are fattening up for the spawn uh, that could be just a tremendous opportunity for some kayak fishing. And there's actually a kayak bass tour nationally now. So a lot of people might start buzzing about that. Howard, thank you so much. I think Highline's just a great opportunity that I know you get busy enough, but gets overlooked by the people on the front range sometimes. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You bet. That's Howard from Highline out, out West. Great uh, warm water opportunity. And you don't know, go camping. The kids are going to catch trout right now. It's going to be warm there. It warms up quickly. You get on that other side down in the valley there, and it's, I mean, it's wine country. They grow grapes there. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty nice climate there. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, some more to Parks and Wildlife, and uh, we're going to talk about some partnership programs that have been put together to really promote and grow our resources and manage them right here in Colorado. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan.
my tie, that'll get my toes tapping around here. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear. They have locations up and down the front range. If you're an outdoor enthusiast, you haven't stopped into a Jack's, Please stop in, check them out. And you know what? Tell them you heard about them on the show here. They'll like to hear that. They come on and do a lot of stuff with us. Uh, let's go to the phones right now. Speaking of people who've been with us a while, Colorado State Parks and Colorado Division of Wildlife, which is now Colorado Parks and Wildlife, we're in our 25th year of the show. They've been a partner since day one. They've been with us since 1998 on this show. So we're really proud to have them as a partner. And speaking of... Parks and Wildlife and Partners joining us from Parks and Wildlife is Allo Lee, and she's going to talk about some other important partners, aren't you, Allo? I am. Hello. Good How morning. are you? I'm great. Isn't it beautiful out today? It is so nice. The sunrise was especially really, really clear today. You know, I, I, I know we need moisture, and every time somebody says that, I, I understand where they're coming from. But after all the days of snow we've had in February, I want to punch him in the nose. I'm so glad to see the sun. It's, 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 but I, I wouldn't, but I love this. When the sun shines, you just feel better. But let's get back to the topic. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the use we're getting, especially right now, when COVID hit, a lot of people turned to the outdoors um, because they could youth sports was canceled, but that's coming back. But pro sports, you couldn't go to a movie, you couldn't go to dinner, you couldn't take a trip. A lot of people turned back to the using uh, to outdoor activities, or a lot of people started doing outdoor activities for the first time. And a lot of these people are staying in the outdoors. So we're seeing a lot of use of our resources. And along those lines, Park, Colorado Parks and Wildlife partners with a number of organizations that really helps enhance and stretch those resources, don't they? Yes, yes. And that's the whole Basically, that sums up my entire job with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I'm here to nurture those partnerships and connect with the communities that are doing this recreation and that are doing these conservation efforts. Um, And so I'm really trying to just broaden that spectrum because we're seeing millions and millions of people coming to Colorado every year to recreate. And so we're just trying to make sure they're educated and doing the best that they can to conserve and preserve our lands, too. Now, you're going to I want to talk more about what some of these partners do, but let's talk about an event you have coming up. And that's in April in Vail. And this is actually a conference for these partners. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, because we only talked briefly on the Mm -hmm. phone. But this is a conference to kind of let those partners explain what they're doing to maybe take a little credit, but also get some public feedback and try to make the best use of these partnerships and also to educate the people on what these partnerships provide. Is that right? Yes, that's actually perfect. (laughs) Um, And it takes many forms, right? So at the conference, you'll be able to attend dozens of different sessions and those vary in style. So you can talk directly to uh, different people and panelists and participate in small groups. And there's some that are lecture style and then there's some that are really hands-on and interactive and very, very social. So there's something for every learning style. Um, But the whole objective is to network and collaborate and have thought partners with various people from different organizations and schools and businesses throughout the state. 
um, and you can also recognize different partners for their achievements um, with the help of our grant funding and professional development and business development is what really makes this the foremost um, conference opportunity for outdoor recreation. Well, and it sounds like if I'm looking at doing something in the recreational field as employment, this would be a great place to conference to come to. If I'm looking as I may say, I'm a municipality that want to get more outdoor recreation available, you might hear how these other partners have accomplished that. Or you also might learn some of the pitfalls of what's happened, trying to promote outdoor recreation and how we can move forward from that. But you also are going to discover opportunities. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a nonprofit or all. Does that seem like the kind of people you would see attending this? Yes. And um, this conference is our first in conference, in-person conference since before the pandemic. And so you're going to be surrounded by 500 plus people from nonprofits, young professionals that are in school for their bachelors for their masters. You're going to talk to people who are working on the ground on the trail crews and really connecting with the land. And then you have people in real estate and people who are just professional kayakers. You know, there's something for everyone. Um, and so that's, that's why we're doing it. We're trying to connect and partner with new people and give people the platform to further their careers and further the work of their organization. Now, what are the dates of this conference? So this year is taking place April 18th through the 20th. And it's in Vail, Colorado, is that right? Yes, it is in Vail, Colorado at the High Luxury Resort. Now, and you've been able to secure some pretty good room rates. Tell me about that. Yes, so if you are attending the conference, um, rooms are going for $119 um, for the night. And that is great because if you're, I don't know how familiar y'all are with Vail, but this area specifically is very expensive and we're grateful that we were able to work out some really great discounts um, for lodging. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. I I was just going to say, what a great time to come up and spend a couple days in Vail, attend the conference and have a tremendous, see that, you know, April's a beautiful time to be up there and it's just a, yeah. it'd be a great time. Now the conference itself, there is a fee. Um, it, it, it starts fairly inexpensively if you just want to come up for a day, but you can register for a whole, the whole conference kind of give us the ballpark mm-hmm. pricing, what the ranges are. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you the, the big three. Um, we're still in the early bird rate season right now. Um, so this price will be the price until March 26th. So if it's a government, uh, business or large nonprofit, it's $200. Middle, smaller nonprofit, 160 And then 99 for our young professionals. That will get you in for the entire conference. And that includes all conference events, meals, and speaker sessions. And then if I just wanted to come up from a day, is there a daily rate? Yes. So if you just wanted to come up on Tuesday, that's the the bulk of the conference. Um, Young professionals, $75. Smaller nonprofits, $128. And then our larger nonprofits and government businesses, uh, $160. And again, that's until March 26th. And then you'll see some of those numbers go up. Last question. If I need more or want more information on this, where do I find it? Yes, so you can go to our website, cpw.state.co.us. 
Um, and I'm also available by email, allo.lee at state.co.us. All right, Allo, thank you so much for joining us. Everything that can maximize our resources and get more people involved and help both municipalities, government organizations, and nonprofits. We're going to need all these people to help uh, facilitate our outdoor public with what's going on. So it's a great opportunity for people to take a look. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. That's Alla Lee. She's the partnership coordinator from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to start talking a lot of fishing coming up. We're going to talk to Austin Parr, and we're going to cover a lot of different fishing opportunities, both down here and up in the mountains coming up. And then Nate Zielinski will come on after that, and he's going to talk about kokanee fishing right in your backyard. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. From our heated moments, there grew a tender love. For all that she has given me, thank the stars above. From our heated moments, there grew a tender love. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. By the way, that bumper cut coming in was off the other side of what I do publicly, my music side. That is a cut from the EP that's currently been released by Wickstrom and Dobrith. You can find it on your favorite streaming service by searching Wickstrom and Dobrith or follow our music side on social media, Wickstrom and Dobrith, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let's go right to the phone zone. Let's talk some outdoors since we're on the outdoor show. And joining us from uh, is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Oh, always. You're always a great resource. Uh, it's It's been an unusual February. Now, we can get 20 below in February, but it usually lasts a day or two and warms up. I've had four or five mornings in a row where I've been in single digits, either above or below zero at my house. Not to mention we've had double our normal snow in February, and we've had some cold weather. Now, we started talking open water fishing just a couple weeks ago. And I think this may have prolonged the ice a little bit on the front range. But I also want to tell people before we get into this that anything we say now, we're going to be in the 60s by the middle of this coming week. And the solar energy of the sun, because it is so much higher this time of the year, is so intense that develop unsafe ice spots can develop very quickly. So if we talk about an ice fishing opportunity on the front range, just be extremely careful. So what's going on? Yep, I totally agree with you there. Uh, you know, as we talked about in the last couple of weeks, uh, we were really thinking that the open water was going to be coming pretty soon. And weather, as usual, throws us a curveball, uh, as it has a lot over the last year. But um, with this colder temperature, we're seeing pretty darn good conditions at the moment. If you have an opportunity to get out either early this next week or this weekend, I mean, the ice is about as good as you're going to get right now. And I mentioned that, but we still see springs all the time on these front range lakes. So don't just take it for granted that we're, we're good everywhere because you may be really good in one spot and not in another, particularly at Chatfield uh, with some of those uh, rough conditions when it comes to those springs. But in general, the bite has been, you know, pretty darn good out there. Uh, the trout bite at Bear Creek in particular is one I kind of want to mention right off the bat. 
you're looking to just take a kid out and catch a lot of fish, there's a lot of trout being caught out there right now, anywhere from, you know, in that, that stalker size all the way up to the, the 16 or 17 inch range with some that are bigger here and there. But that has been a really good opportunity. Sawgai and smallmouth have been a little bit slower out there. But then shifting over to Chatfield, the walleye bite in the late evening has been pretty darn good as well. Now, uh, with that being said, they're not just everywhere. You have to find them on structure. Uh, a lot of the stuff that's just a little bit south of the bridge has been worthwhile as well as on the roadbed itself. But the low light condition is, is where you need to be uh, anywhere from that last hour of light to the first couple hours of darkness has been been the best bite window for sure. I've been doing really well out there with buckshot rattle spoons from Northland, uh, as well as some of your smaller jigging wraps we talk about so frequently. Uh, and then some flutter spoons like slender spoons have been OK, too. But I've been tipping those with minnow heads and then on my uh, dead stick line, still sitting a minnow there, but you're not catching as many walleye typically on that, but certainly the stray trout or smallmouth have been eating that. And then uh, the bass bite head has been good uh, a little bit further north uh, from the red, from the bridge, excuse me, has been, been good for the bass and they're eating the minnows a lot better than you're going to be finding them eating the spoons. But one thing I like to mention out there is, I pretty much try and limit myself to that 25 to 30 foot of water range to target those fish. You can catch them in deeper water, but a lot of times the barrow trauma anywhere deeper than 30 feet is so severe. And even if you reel them up slowly, smallmouth and walleye don't have the ability to expel air from their air bladder like a lake trout or a catfish does. So even reeling them up slow doesn't help much, but uh, you can really cause some some bad damage and the, the lethality rate in deeper than 30 feet of water is pretty severe. No, you're absolutely right. One one point I want to make, too, it's going to be um, warm and sunny today, warmer. Tomorrow's going to be much warmer, and then we're going to get in the 50s and 60s. And while we're talked about, you could want to watch the ice conditions, there is going to be some good ice. And this is an opportunity that's so unique to Colorado, where you can be out on Cherry Creek or Chatfield, and with a light jacket in the middle of the day catching trout through the ice, trust me, the people yeah. in Minnesota don't ever get that. Yeah, it's, it really is nice, and, and this is a small window here that we don't normally see here potentially all the way into March now where we've got pretty solid ice, and usually by this point, it's sketchy at very best. And right now with this additional cold front, a lot of our front-range lakes have, have locked down, and, and uh, it's something to, to take advantage of. You're exactly right. And the open water bite on the front-range from shore is going to take off very quickly, folks. Trust me, we get high sunny days even if they're not that warm it will really really take its uh really take its its toll on this ice especially if we get a little wind with it um because the sun is so intense we have very little atmosphere in colorado where we start out at five thousand feet and then by the time we we get to uh the middle of the day and get towards March, that sun is high in the sky and it has a lot of energy and that it may not feel as warm to you as it is, but trust me, it's going to do some damage. But what about the mountains? We're going to have ice fishing up in a lot of these mountain lakes now, uh, Austin, probably well, well through March, maybe into April. Absolutely. So the front range here, as you mentioned, is very fleeting and an opportunity over the next week or so. But past that, uh, without uh, another big, crazy cold front, the mountains are really where you're going to want to be going. And there's plenty of opportunities up there. And and uh, several highlights that I really like this time of year are talking about a lot of the lake trout bites. So early in the season, down in South Park, your, your big rainbows and browns down in Antero and 11 Mile can be really good. 
but the, the thick ice and the heavy fishing pressure can make those lakes be a lot slower as far as action is concerned. So I'm adjusting a lot of times here and heading up into the Middle Park region. Uh, Williams Fork and Granby both are very worthwhile at the moment, and the slush conditions haven't been extreme as of the last little bit, but certainly something to consider. We talk about that a lot. Not so much as a safety issue outside of getting a snowmobile or an ATV stuck on Granby, but it's it's pretty miserable. So if you're heading up there, although it hasn't been quite as bad, certainly make sure you have some good waterproof boots. But the bite in general has been pretty darn worthwhile. Up at uh, Williams Fork, uh, the, the lake is in 45 to 60 feet of water out off some of the southern points as well as on the eastern side by the main boat ramp area or places that I usually like to start. Uh, and working your poop gigs really is going to be the best bet. Now, uh, the whites in the early season are some of my favorites. And although you can still catch some fish on white, a lot of times both of those lakes transition to a little bit darker colored tube. Uh, I really feel like those fish get accustomed to that white later into the season. So if you can adjust to some darker olives with some red flake or then even some brown type tones, I like a lot. Now, those particular tube jigs for the, the either size lake trout uh, work. I like to work them at a two and a half to three and a half inch range, and I will add a stinger hook a lot of times on those smaller tubes. Those uh, eater-sized lake trout have a big tendency to just come up and kind of nip the end of your tube jig or just try and touch that sucker meat that you've got tipped on there. So if you take a heavy piece of monofilament or fluorocarbon and tie a snell knot with a size two octopus hook right in the skirt of that tube, that can really help you with the hookups. No, you're absolutely right. Another lake that you're always talking to me about this time of the year is turquoise. What are you hearing there? They're a really worthwhile bite up there as well. Now, the slush has not been quite as good, but or has been not, not been quite as bad as normal, excuse me, but I have not heard a report since we had that big snow in, in a lot of those uh, south of I-20, or excuse me, uh, south of I-70 areas did get a fair amount of snow, so that can increase that slush, but the the smaller lake trout have been doing quite well up there, uh, good numbers of fish, and I've been hearing about that 60-foot of water range has been a, a good bet up there. Same type of tube jigs, but the other interesting part about turquoise has been how good the rainbow fishing has been. Uh, not a lot of big fish, but from what I've been hearing from multiple sources, pretty much anywhere you drill, if you uh, drop down to 10 or 15 feet below the ice, you're catching rainbows like crazy, and if you work up into the shallows, the action is really incredible. So if you're looking to just go and catch some, some fish and then put numbers on the ice, that might be a good spot for some of those rainbows. And then uh, have still the opportunity to adjust out and work in that deeper water for lake trout. And, and although there's a lot of smaller lake trout being caught, turquoise is one of those lakes that has really big fish in there. And uh, as we mentioned a lot, those big lake trout are quite old, particularly at that high elevation. So it's really important to uh, let those big guys go. And, and if you want to keep some fish, keep it under 20 inches. Oh, you're absolutely right. We always tell people, you know, the best eating lake trout are those 15 to 18 inches. May keep it under 20. Once they get into that 21, 22, and then start getting above, especially over 25, their growth rate is slow. It's going to take them years and years to get bigger. And that's how we get those trophy fish by returning those. But also they start being less favorable table fare anyway. Yeah, both of those really, uh, those those reasons equate to wanting to let those big fish go. And unlike some other fish species, it's very challenging to get a big lake trout to get back into the system. As you mentioned, it's truly can be a lifetime. So making sure to, to let those fish go and be careful with them helps to prolong our fishery and, and keep it good for generations to come. Austin, we're out of time, but if people want more information, how do, where do they find you and how do they get a hold of you? I'm a discount fishing tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. 
All right, my friend, we'll be talking very soon because you're going to be at ISE. I mentioned earlier in the show, ISE is coming back in March. You're going to be one of the speakers. I haven't heard yet if you're going to have a presence there with the store, but we're looking forward to having ISE and seeing the people again. I'll be there with the store and on the presentation. So looking forward to seeing you as well. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to take a time out. We come back. One of our favorite resources, Mr. Nate Zielinski. And boy, I've been sucking up a lot to him this year. I'm going to have to watch that. But he's going to talk about a great kokanee bite right in your backyard. I'm Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.